Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dan Lobby and Doug Maurice. it is our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are going to talk about Brown's moves moving forward take a little break from the Baker Mayfield discussion, the Deshaun Watson discussion. We're going to look at the team now that Deshaun Watson is in the fold uh, and and what they might do next. And I'm going to put a post up on this and I wanted to hear uh, some of Doug's thoughts about kind of what he thought was next for this football team. So Doug, you said you came up with three, I came up with three. So give me the, the first thing that the Browns should do here. All right. I'll start with the most important thing for the Browns and it's addressing the glaring need that remains now that they have Deshaun Watson and that's draft the kicker. And like I'm 30% being funny, but they don't have a kicker. And I don't know that the kicker for them is out there in the world right now. I don't know that he's floating around in free agency. So I continue to be like super interested in them drafting a kicker and it's interesting to watch them because they threw in this extra, like not threw in, there's this extra fourth round pick that we didn't initially know that's part of the Watson trade. So they don't have their first rounder this year and they also don't have their fourth rounder this year, right? So they right. have. Well, they do have, they do have their own fourth rounder. They actually gave up the Detroit, the one the Detroit, they got from okay. Detroit last year. So, you know, so it's two picks we thought they'd have that they don't. Um, but I still think they have enough picks to draft a kicker. So I continue to be interested in Cade York of LSU. I'd probably take him in the fifth round. It's teams don't draft kickers that much. We've talked about kickers a lot, but we've also talked about scoring points a lot. And when we talked about scoring points, we talked about quarterback check receiver check kicker, no check. So I think they have to target a kicker and I think they have to like draft him high enough to make sure they get him. So that might be overdrafting the guy by a round, really. Like, it might be get made fun of on the draft podcast. What? They took a kicker in the fourth round? They haven't taken – no one's taken a kicker this high since the Bucks blew that pick on Luis Aguayo, whatever year it was. doesn't matter. Get back to me when you have a competent field goal kicker this season because you're going to need him. So it's not really the most important thing, but they don't have a kicker right now. And I think that's the best way to get one. And I just happen to like kid York of LSU. I actually don't think, I don't see a scenario where we mock them for taking a kicker anywhere on day three, even if it's like their first pick on Saturday, if it's like, Oh, here's a kicker. I think every single one of us would understand like, yeah, you needed to do that. Maybe you don't love taking a kicker in the fourth round, but you needed to do that. And picking a kicker is really difficult. So if that's your guy, go get him. Yep. 
and the other thing is, and I think as we talk through this stuff, it's going to just reinforce like this roster is pretty complete. Mm-hmm. I, like, I think the moves we're going to throw out there are like the finishing touches. And so, you know, you don't need to use that fourth round pick to go get like your 20th tight end. You can go get a kicker. You, you don't need to get another defensive end in the fourth round necessarily. Like, I, I think that this team, if there's any team that's set up to just say, we're going to take a kicker higher than any other team in the draft, it's probably this one. And they've done it again. They've taken kickers. They they've only been whatever the, the stat is. I don't, it's like 11 kickers drafted in the last seven years. And two of them are by the Browns. They just didn't work out or they didn't work out here. So they're not adverse to it. And I, I think it's actually going to happen. I, I, I do think that the person who's going to kick field goals for the Browns in the 2022 season is the person they're going to draft. So it's like, ha ha kicker talk to start a podcast, but also, <laughs> Also, for real. Well, get used to it, folks. We got a whole month of talking draft here, and we're going to be talking a lot of kickers. Luckily, our mock drafts don't go into the fourth round yet, at least until Doug decides that we have to start taking them into the fourth round. Listen, I'll tell you, the Deshaun Watson trade dumped about three stories from the combine that I was still working on (laughs) that no longer make any sense. Killed my Desmond Ritter story. Killed my any more Garrett Wilson stories I was going to write. Killed my Bailey Zappi story. Didn't kill my kicker story. Kicker story is still coming, baby. Cade and I had some nice conversations in Indianapolis. So you still will be getting that and why a kicker can help the Browns turn it around. I cannot wait. All right. My, um, my first one, actually I have two that go together, but, but this is the first one. And I feel like this one is really obvious, but it's like, okay, just go do this now. And it's, it's get a deal done with Jadavian Clowney. I think had you asked me at the end of the season, like, how did I feel about it? It was sort of like, okay, if he's looking for 15, 16 million, if he's looking for three or four years, I'm not doing it. But I think we've reached a point in the edge rush market in the free agency period where it's like, if we're talking two years, $12 million or even $14 million, I think you do that. I think him and Miles are just this dynamic pairing. And when, when you see them, and one of the great things about training camp is, like, you see these guys at field level. Man, it is just different. Like, forget the fact that they can combine for 25 sacks. When you see those two guys on the field, it is just different looking. These are two number one picks, physical freaks. They can just destroy people. Give me another year of Jadavian Clowney. Now, it may be a two-year deal. It would technically probably be a one-year deal. But just get, give me Jadavian Clowney back. That's the guy I think at this point, if we're talking free agent edge rushers, and I have another piece to this as well, uh, but, but get me him to be my number two guy in 2022. So I've often talked about how I think getting a quarterback or trying to get a quarterback, positioning yourself for a quarterback forces an organization to get their stuff together. And I've often compared it to like, hey, if you're, kind of lying around your apartment, but then you start dating somebody. It's like, Hey, you got to, I got to start to dress better and you shower every day. I sort of was on the train and I'd said many times of, you know what? Clowney's probably going to be out of the price range for the Browns. I'm in favor of waiting for the late one year edge rush guy, get him at the end of the cycle. You know, a guy like Jerry Hughes, I think is still out there. And that's where I was before, but now we're in, 
pay the quarterback $230 million range. <laughs> and I'm at attention. And I also, one of my moves is get Jadavion Clowney. This is no longer mess around with the guy who's left over territory. It's like, oh, this is where, this is what they're doing. Oh, we're here. There's no more messing around with anything. They have climbed out on a big old expensive limb. And once you guarantee Deshaun Watson $230 million for five years, it's like, oh, Clowney wants 13 a year. Fine. Whatever he wants. Like, what are you throwing? Because on the one hand, it's like, well, now you're spending a lot of money on a quarterback. So you've got to be smart, whatever. But on the other hand, the salary cap is fake. Money isn't real. We're in the casino. It's three o'clock in the morning. Money has lost all meaning to us. Sign Jadavion Clowney. I am completely there with you. And I'm there because of what they did in getting the quarterback. So like, I don't know. And I can't imagine a world, Dan, where Andrew Barry would like, we just, we would love to do it. We just like, we don't have the space. We don't have the cap space. We don't have the money. I don't think that's what he would say because they'll figure it out. So do it. And, and there's the all in aspect of this too. Now, you know, the extension for Deshaun was a five-year deal. I mean, they didn't just do this for 2022, obviously, you know, they did this for the, their window is open now for as long as Deshaun Watson is their quarterback. And it's been open for a few years, but like, also now is not the time to be like, ah, Jadavion, you're a little too expensive. Let's go to plan C, plan D, you know, you're just, you're too pricey. No, you go all in for this year because you've got a real chance to go win a Super Bowl. And look, this is why you made this move. This is why you took the PR hit. This is why you structured the contract the way you did. This is, I mean, if you're going to do that, you better go all in and not start pinching pennies now when it comes to a guy like Jadavion, who I do believe, like, it matters to him getting paid. I understand that. I mean, he's getting to the point where he's not, he doesn't have many big contracts left. But I do also think, I mean, he sounded really happy here. He sounded like he found a nice place in Cleveland. So I think if that money matches or comes close, I, I think he would come back here um, at, at that price. And if you think, are we thinking of the Chase Winovich trade? Is Chase Winovich a version of Tack McKinley? That, what, is that like he can be maybe your third end? He cannot be your second end. So if, they, if it's not clowny, it has to be somebody else. Right. Like the op, they can't go with what they have. They need somebody in that spot. And when you trade the first round pick, they do have a couple things they kind of still need to address. They're going to do need to do a couple things, one or two things in the draft, maybe just one, because it's not like you can count on your third rounder to start. But they're going to need to do a couple things here in free agency that in a world, if you thought before, oh, well, you know. Maybe I don't want them to take a receiver in the first round. Maybe they'll draft Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. It's like, well, that pick is gone. So he's not replacing Jadavion Clowney. So who is it? And Jerry Hughes, three weeks from now, when everybody else passes on him, just doesn't seem nearly as attractive when you're at this point as an organization. Yeah, I like the Chase Winovich, Tack McKinley comparison. A guy that was really good a couple years ago, created a ton of pressure. Um, had a bad year last year, a down year last year. You kind of got him for nothing. I mean, he gave up Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson was a special teamer for this team. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good comparison. And I think he's sort of like the, like, now you don't have to rely on Joe Jackson or Porter Gustin, right? Now you've got, you know, 
you can add Clowney, you could bring in another edge rusher, and then you also have Winovich who's going to somehow work into this rotation too. You're, you're just really deep at that position all of a sudden. Yeah. But, but you need your other starting edge. It's Jadavion Clowney or somebody else, and why would you not want it to be Jadavion Clowney? And I don't know. I mean, we probably could do a really hard, hard, deep dig into the cap situation now and in the next couple of years, but I don't think we would find, and that's why they can't sign Jadavion Clowney for 14 year, million no. a year. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't think we would find that, right? So then what's holding you back? What maybe would be holding you back is that he just has a such a better offer somewhere else that they just absolutely can't match it, or he just doesn't want to be here. But I think they should be able to match any reasonable offer. And as you said, we don't think just doesn't want to be here would keep Jadavion Clowney from being a Cleveland Brown in 2022 because we don't think he's hightailing out of here. He just would like to play for a good team for a good amount of money, and that should be able to be the Browns. Yeah, and then also, too, I think he appreciated that, like, I mean, he joked with us a few times. He didn't talk to us a ton during camp, but he joked with us, like, man, this is, like, the easiest camp I've ever been in. I think he appreciated the Browns' approach to let's keep this guy healthy and get him on the mm. field on Sundays because that's, that's been an issue for him. So, so I think there's a lot of factors that go into this where he might say that this is probably the right place for me, at least for another year. Um, but, and one other thing about that salary cap, I, I wrote this the other day. Uh, Doug, you're an Arrested Development fan, right? You have to. You strike uh, me as an Arrested I, I, Development fan. I am. I definitely watched it the first time around. And then that they tricked me. They, they hoodwinked me. That's <laughs> why I got Netflix, because they had Arrested Development on, on Netflix. And then I still haven't watched all the Netflixes of Arrested Development, even though I've now had it for like five years. But yes, I like the banana stand. Right. That, that's what these contracts are. There's money in these contracts. They're the banana stand. So eh, we need to free up a little space. Hey, Miles, let's give you some guaranteed money up front. Let's move some of that stuff up, give you a little more guarantees. We're going to Denzel. We just extended you a year ago, but let's renegotiate that a little bit and give you some more guaranteed money and open up space these guys are going to be able to manage the salary cap. That's yeah. one thing that I have the utmost confidence in them doing. So Doug, what was your second thing? Well, that was my second thing. So kicker was one resigned Clowney sort of at almost all costs was two. So why don't you do your second thing? Because your first thing was my second thing. Well, I hope I don't, I hope I don't take your third thing now. Oh, no. so I'm wondering if I should, should zag and maybe go to my, I'm other not one. very original. So, <laughs> okay, I'll go this way. I, I'm going to save my other one because I'm, I'm a little nervous that maybe we have the same idea here. Scott Patsko is not on this podcast, and I wish he was because I'm stealing this idea from Scott Patsko. But especially now that Watson is here, call Will Fuller. Bring him in. Fast guy, has a really good connection with Watson. Injuries are a concern. But I really like the idea of bringing him in, pairing him with Amari Cooper. And I think he can do a lot of different things for you. He's the receiver that I would bring in as my potential number two guy or number three guy. And of course, you'd have Donovan Peoples-Jones in there somewhere. Uh, maybe you still draft a guy somewhere too. But I really like the idea of taking a shot on Will Fuller, especially if he wants to play with Deshaun Watson again. And I would maybe prioritize getting, if it's not him specifically, getting another kind of fast guy over going all out to bring Jarvis Landry back in. 
Will Fuller makes me very nervous. Will Fuller, 13 games, no, 14 games his rookie year in 2016. Since then, 10, 7, 11, 11, 2. Like even. Yeah, that's scary. Like the two, like the two, I get it. You got hurt. But even like the healthy years, like 11, that's that's like 65% of the season. Like you, we need more than that. Like the Browns need more than that from him. So he is not at the top of my list. And it's one of those things where I know he and Deshaun Watson played together, but I, I don't know. Like if you said like, hey, Deshaun, hey, 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 you want Will Fuller? Would he be like, oh yeah. Or it's just like, well, we all, like, we all work with people. It's like, oh, what do you think of working with that person? You want to work with that person again? It's like, well, I had to work with somebody like that. Like, like people have to fill these roles, but I would be fine with another person who does similar things to that person. That isn't that person. I don't know that Deshaun Watson is like, yes, Will Fuller. So Marquez Valdez Scantling is a guy that I brought up in my free agency primer that he was my guy. He's a deep threat too. I worried maybe is he too duplicative with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz. Mary Case thought, no, no, no. Donovan Peoples-Jones is actually a little bit miscast as a deep threat. Like that would be fine. So if, if your idea is I want the Browns to bring in a second receiver and I'd rather go deep threat than slot guy, I'd rather go spend that money on someone who's going to stretch the field instead of bringing Jarvis back. I'm torn on that. Like, are you, you're, would you definitely do a deep threat guy instead of Jarvis? Like, is there no doubt in your mind if that would be the choice? I would rather have, and I mean, like I, Jarvis has been one of my favorite Browns to watch, but I would rather have more speed in that receiver room. I would just rather have, I feel like I can cobble together the things Jarvis Landry did for me and do it pretty well. I feel like I can find, you know, if it's an expanded role for Demetric Felton, who was sort of doing some of those things anyway, when Jarvis was hurt, not, you know, he was, he was some of the pre-snap stuff. He was kind of filling in that Jarvis role, you know, a healthy Kareem hunt, I think can, can give you some things in the passing game that Jarvis gave you. Not that we're making him the slot receiver here, but he can do some of those things. I think I can cobble together that Jarvis Landry role if I draft a receiver, whether John Michi or whoever. I, I can find two or three guys that can give me what Jarvis gave me. You know, you mentioned David Njoku in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I think I can do that and then take some money and go get somebody who brings me that just that speedy receiver, you know, and we're not going to spend time on Anthony Schwartz here because we haven't seen it from Anthony Schwartz. I want a guy that's yeah. done it. So whether that's a Will Fuller, uh, here's a name Browns fans would love. Sammy Watkins is out there. Mm-hmm. Somebody who can be, I have my number one in Amari Cooper. Maybe I'm going to go draft a guy still, but I still would love like just a reliable, this guy's done it. This guy's shown he can be a deep threat and be a speed, be a, be a fast guy on the outside. And I guess the question is, do they have to sign another decently experienced, decently productive receiver? Do they, or could they say, we're going to draft somebody and then we have Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz and like, we'll roll with that. We'll draft something like, 
we're just going to take the best receiver available at 44. That's our draft strategy. We like them enough. There'll be somebody there. And then people's Jones three and Schwartz four is enough, or is that not enough? And can you not bank on the draft that much? Because what if there's a run and what there's nine receivers taken in the first 40 picks, right? And you're banking on that. Do they have to add somebody? I think they do. I, I'd like to see them add somebody. I, I think you've got to have something more solid than like we're going to draft something because you're not drafting the best receiver anymore or the right. third best receiver or the fourth. You, you know, you're drafting a guy in the second round. Maybe you get A.J. Brown. Maybe you get Nikhil Harry. Yeah, You know, I don't know. Brian Robisky. Right. <laughs> you know, so it, that's bad. It by gets the way, riskier, you get Brian right? Robisky, yes. The, the lower you go in the draft, the riskier it gets. Uh, you know, I think this front office understands that. So I wouldn't want to put that much pressure on that rookie receiver. And as again, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been good. But do you really look at him and say, that's my number two? For sure, that's, I the, do guy, not. that's the guy that I want as my number two. And then if something happens and he gets hurt in like training camp or whatever, now what are you doing? Now you've got Anthony Schwartz as your number two, or you've got some rookie who may not be ready, but you brought in to play the slot. As or you're trading like a future first round pick for average vet ridden receiver yeah. X from a non-contender right, right. You're now. Trying, you're, you're trying you're to desperate. make the Ronnie Harrison trade at receiver basically. Right. You're trading for DJ Moore or whatever and giving Carolina, you know, a top 10 pick. So I do think, is that where he plays still? Does DJ Moore still play in Carolina? I, have to, I don't, don't you, know. you shouldn't have to fact check me on a podcast, Dan. <laughs> That's not fair. But the, he, the point he is. might have left, but I'm going to check it. We need to get Ellis on the, on the pod. Have, have we had a podcast discussion of Baker Mayfield winding up in Carolina with Ellis and just how delicious that would be from top to bottom? I was, I was really hoping that was going to happen. Not that Ellis has anything against Baker Mayfield, but just like it would be funny. So I do think that you, you, you can't go get Deshaun Watson and trade for Amari Cooper and have Donovan Peoples-Jones be your number two receiver. Like I just, that's not, that's not good enough. So you have to do something. I wonder about Will Fuller. Like I'm not, a, I'm, I don't really like the Will Fuller idea, but would Will Fuller take a low money, one year, high incentives, prove it deal. And if like, if you're going to get that Will Fuller, you're not going to get much more than that because you've had an injury history and you just played two games. Who would you rather do it with than Deshaun Watson? Like I, I could see that again, all this stuff is, well, what's the price? What's the price? What's the price? If Will Fuller is, incentive late in one year four or five million guaranteed then okay then then maybe you'll get something out of it i it still makes me nervous to rely on him though because he's been in the league six years and i don't know that you could ever say that you could rely on will fuller i think that's fair i mean that's the concern is the injuries that he hasn't been able to stay on the field the one year he was suspended i think it was 2020 he was suspended otherwise he might have ended up playing a full season or who knows maybe he would have gotten hurt in those games that he got suspended for so yeah i mean that's it's it's a, it is a real concern there would be real risk in bringing him in so again that would almost be like a jadavian clowny like well maybe if we get him into our building and we take good care of him during camp and get him to the season ready to go maybe his body will feel better than it ever has i i, I do think they need to find somebody though all right Let's take a break and then let's uh, let's finish out some of these ideas here. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So, Doug, I was trying not to steal your last one. Now I want to know what it is. So mine is draft, and it's draft the receiver in the second round. So, okay. and, and I just did 
my mock draft 4.0 on Tuesday and ran through this. And I think most people would agree there's five receivers who are going to go in the first round for sure. Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, uh, Traylon Burks, and Jamison Williams. So assume they're off the board. The Browns pick at 44. I had a group of five guys who I think maybe – they should be around in the second round. Maybe not all of them will be. And at least a one or two of them should still be around when the Browns pick at 44. So that's George Pickens of Georgia, Jahan Dotson of Penn state, David Bella of Purdue, um, Christian Watson or North Dakota state and Sky Moore, your guy of Western Michigan. So some of those, it's like, I remember like, I think back in the day you had the Browns taking Sky Moore in the third round. Now we're talking second round that 44, that might be a little bit of a reach. So I had George Pickens to the Browns at 44. And George Pickens is a guy he's measured at 6'3, 195 at the combine, ran a 447, played 63 snaps for Georgia last year because he tore his ACL last March and came back a tiny bit at the end of the year. But I think if he had played a full year, he'd be a first round pick and we wouldn't be able to talk about him at 44 to the Browns. I think he's he seems to be good at, on balls in the air. He's like a bigger receiver, but with speed. And I think he'd be ready to play. So he'll be 18 months removed from his ACL by the time the season starts. You know, Jamison Williams tore his ACL in January, right? This is a guy who tore it last March. So, you know, he was playing at the end of that college football season. He'll be fine by the time the NFL season starts. And I think you might be getting him, you know, his value probably should be higher if he played a healthy year at Georgia. So will he be there at 44? I think it's very possible by the time I do my last mock draft, he's not the pick that I have for the Browns. Cause I become convinced he's not going to be there at 44. It's like, Oh, you mean the six, three fast guy who played at Georgia and was great. And it would be a first round pick. If he wasn't hurt, is he going to get to 44? Heck no, he's not getting to 44. Some people have him in the first round right now, but I do think David bell is a guy that could also factor in there. Cause he had a bad combine super productive at Purdue, a legit number one receiver, played against the highest level of competition and played well against the highest level of competition. And I think is just like a football player. And I think would be ready. Not that you have to draft NFL ready guys as the most important thing. You want upside talent. The second round, you don't want mediocre guys who just have been in college for a long time, but I think David Bell's sort of bad combine numbers are going to knock him down a little bit, but I think he might be a really good player who I'm, almost sure would be there at 44. So I was all in on a receiver at 13 and I'm just as much all in on as a receiver at 44. I still think I'll write my thing about how, how most of the number one receivers in the league were drafted by their teams. And the Browns clearly are not going for that with Amari Cooper, but they have to develop receivers. They have to develop their own receivers and they can't only do it, do it by taking Donovan people's Jones in the sixth round and taking Anthony Schwartz in the third they have to draft some receivers high. And I think this year with this receiver crop is the time to start that. So I really think they should take a receiver at 44. Yeah. And they've got to do this now because of what they gave up in this deal. I mean, they've got to find, you know, Cooper cup is like the shining example, right? Guy they found in the third round. Are you going to find Cooper cup every year? No, but you've got to find somebody like that. You've got to find somebody that you're going to get in the second, third, maybe the fourth, but probably in the second or third, that's going to turn into your number one or number two guy. It's, it's imperative. That's how you're going to build this team when you're paying your quarterback 230 million and your top edge rusher has a $125 million deal and you're paying a, your, your cornerback 
you know, a 90 million or hundred million dollar contract and Greg Newsom's coming up eventually, you know, all of the, when all of this stuff starts to collide, you've got to be able to find some of those playmakers in the second and third round that can develop into, well, how did that guy not go in the first round? Yeah. That guy should have been the number six overall pick. And again, when I was doing a lot of research on this and there were people who were like, don't the Browns shouldn't take a receiver in the first round. You can find guys in the second or third. And so now that, they're going to have to do it in a second or third. When you, when I ran through these number one receivers, these guys who are in the top 35 in the league last year in receiving yards, there are, you, you sort of had the dividing line. There's not a ton fourth round and later, but there are almost as many from the second round as there are from the first round. And there's still a decent number in the third round. You can do it. You can do it. That the, you know, if you're getting one of the 10 best receivers in the draft, there's a, decent chance that guy's going to be a pretty good player so i think it's i think there's value with this crop of receivers i think there's value at the position generally when you look at the success of the players drafted in recent years and i think there's obvious need that remains despite the trade for amari cooper so i i really think it again i think i agree with you you've got to get a vet probably some kind of veteran in the meantime because you can't bank on this 100 percent I think there's a decent chance that their number two receiver in the 2022 season is the guy they pick in the second round. So, and, and I think this is interesting because I, I think your, yours sort of informed your opinion a little bit on Will Fuller and maybe how all in you go for that second receiver, because I also had a draft oriented one, but mine is go find your edge rusher in that second round of the draft, your long-term kind of second edge rusher. You're, you know, when Tack McKinley got hurt, I think that was a significant thing because you could have brought him back. I thought that was, you know, I've said this before. That was, that was money ball on the football field. You find a guy who didn't live up to his first round potential was really undervalued. You've liked him. You like his skill set. You bring him in really cheap. You put him in the perfect role and he excels. So that's kind of what I want to see him do here in the draft. You're not going to find the perfect edge rusher at number 44, but can you find a guy who's really explosive? Uh, a couple names I had on here was, you know, this Logan Hall guy is really intriguing. He's like six foot six. He played defensive tackle, but maybe he's a defensive end in the NFL. Maybe he's both kind of that versatile inside outside guy. Uh, he, he's really interesting to me. Uh, Nick Benito from, uh, is it Oklahoma? I think it is. He might be sitting there at 44. Or maybe you can move up or down to get a guy like that. None of these guys are perfect. Like the next miles Garrett edge rusher, but you throw them out there with, Jadavian and Chase Winovich and now you've got this rookie who you know over the course of his contract is going to develop into potentially at worst your your third edge rusher I think that's something I'm, I'm interested in at 44 it's funny like you know who you're looking for the next Emmanuel Ogba who <laughs> they had yeah and they drafted right. in the second round and who you know just signed a giant deal and has been not a superstar, but has turned out to be a pretty productive edge guy. And if he's your second, you wouldn't want him to be your first guy. If he's your no. first guy, you're not good enough. You're not getting after the passer. If he's your second guy, they just paid him a ton of money in Miami, right? Like you're probably pretty decent if he's your number two. So to, to look for that is not a bad idea. And it's certainly where they could go. But again, it's, fill your holes in free agency and with trades and draft talent in the draft. 
I do, I do think some of these things that are going to happen before between now and April 29th, when they pick in the second round, will inform this a little bit. Because if they re-sign Clowney, but they didn't sign any receivers, I know you have to take talent, but man, that would lead you toward receiver in the draft, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yes. But if they signed a pretty good deep threat, Will Fuller or somebody else, they spent some money on that, or Jarvis is back, and you think, okay. But Clowney signed somewhere else? Man, it's like, okay, well, we're open to talent, but holy moly, we need some edge help. And I do, I think we'll get an idea. We've talked a lot of, about it a lot, Dan, that the last couple drafts, it just kind of so happened that their need with their first pick matched up with some availability. And I think we'll have a sense of, where their need really is by the time we get to the draft. And I think it, I think it might be clear that it's either going to be your thing or my thing because in free agency, they did one of them, right? Maybe they got, they filled the receiver hole, but they didn't get clowny or they did get clowny and they didn't fill the receiver hole. I'll, I don't know if Andrew Barry is going to be able to fill all of them. Cause as you said, it's a pretty set roster, but I do think with no clowny and no Jarvis, Second edge and second receiver are at the top of the list of, hey, there are some snaps to be had at important spots this season. And right now we're not so sure who's going to take them. And, and I don't think there's going to be like an elite, you know, we've had the Devontae Wyatt discussion. That guy's not going to be there anymore. There's no chance. You know, he's right. going to go in the first round. I actually saw him mocked before the Watson trade. I saw him mocked to the Browns at 13. Right. So that guy's not going to be there in the second round. Uh, so I don't think you're getting an elite defensive tackle necessarily. It, it sort of depends what they would, you know, I don't want to use the word elite with Logan Hall. I don't know how they would view him, if they would view him interior, if they would view him as an edge rusher. I don't even know if he's a guy they would necessarily like, but um, he, he's kind of, he's tall like Malik McDowell was, but not quite as big as Malik McDowell. And I know they like that versatility, being able to move inside and outside or play three ends at the same time. That was something McKinley allowed them to do a lot of as well. So, you know, those are sort of the things I'm, I'm looking for as we get into the second round. Who gives them that flexibility if they went defensive lineman, that flexibility to just sort of mix things up along that front four. The consensus big board at uh, NFL Mock Draft Database, which again is just a lovely website. It's fun to go uh, muck around on there. That website does list Logan Hall as a defensive tackle. And they list Logan Hall as the third defensive tackle behind the two Georgia guys. So they have okay. him 43rd on their consensus big board right now. And the Browns pick at 44. So that might there be an exact guy who is sitting <laughs> right there. If they don't have another answer on the line. How aggressive would you want them to be to, if there's a guy at like 31, would you, or even if there's a guy that you'd have to, I guess 31 would be first round. If there's a guy at like 27, you know, how aggressive would you want them to be to go after a guy at the tail end of the first round or even early second round, um, as opposed to maybe letting things just sort of fall their way? I had tweeted farewell Garrett Wilson after the Deshaun Watson <laughs> trade happened, and somebody responded like, oh, maybe not. Maybe they can trade up to the first round to get him. And I was like, dude, with what? They're kind of out of chips so in a world where they don't have this first round pick or the next two so to trade to get from 44 to 35 what would it take are you going to trade next year's two when you already don't have next year's one are you going to trade 
one of the third round picks this year when you already don't have a first round pick. Like I, I um, my guess would be there's, I, I think some general instinct in the analytics minded front offices or ones that at least are exposed to it to trade down and gather. And that your best bet is to have as many bites at the apple as you can. And I would imagine that instinct goes into overdrive when you don't have a first round pick for three years. So I would be, man, you'd have to be in love with the guy, right? I mean, you'd have to have a top 20 grade on a guy who's still there at 37 that you think is going to make a difference for you immediately to be willing to go up eight or 10 spots to go get him. So I would be shocked if it happens. I would be, I'll be surprised if they trade up in the next three years because they are, they don't have anything like they're already behind. So I think they're going to be looking now to accumulate. And I actually wouldn't be shocked if they let someone come to 44 and trade down and try to add an extra pick next year when they don't have a first rounder. And all of a sudden you're replenishing that way. Um, I think that would be much more in line with their thinking than trying to go get someone by moving up. I, I think I agree with you. I think it's more of like what they did with Grant Velvet, where they moved back. That was the guy they wanted. They knew they could move back and get him. They add some extra picks. You know, maybe they use those third rounders mm-hmm. to move back and start to start to accumulate those picks, you know, in 2023-2024. You know, maybe put themselves in a position where two years from now they can make a play for a first round pick if there's a guy they really like. Um, I, I think that that is probably the more likely scenario, unless there's a Jeremiah Wusukormoa in this draft that they believe right. is like, we would have taken that guy at 26, but we like this other guy. Um, I, I think that's probably the more likely scenario this year. Again, partially because of what we talked about at the very beginning, this roster is pretty complete. You're never going to have a fully 100% complete roster. and Injuries are going to happen, but this roster as it stands right now just kind of needs some tinkering, like adding a clowny, adding an edge rusher, adding a whatever. It's, it's all just tinkering at this point. And you know, we, it always happens, right? There's going to be cuts in camp, surprising guys that get let go who can still play, but their team's going in a different direction or whatever. And if the Browns, and they do right now, look like a legit Super Bowl contender, then all of a sudden you can get guys like that. That, oh man, I and like, oh, there's there's your extra receiver. Because you know, the Jets let a pretty good player go because they're trying to go young. You know what I mean? Like, that's when you do this and you become a place that has some pretty good players, you open other doors that maybe wouldn't have been open to them in the past. So um it is tinkering, it's not gigantic holes, but clowny is a big one and Number two receiver is a big one. So that, again, I just think you and I sort of agree. What are the answers there? It's not that there are answers out there, but they've just got to figure out what they are. And then of course, kicker. <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm going to say about T minus five days on the uh, gigantic nine part series, Ooh. the search for a kicker. Um, can Cade York bring the Browns a Super Bowl? Look forward at cleveland.com slash Browns. I like it. I can't wait. All right. Also, while you're waiting for that, clue.com slash Browns, sign up to become a football insider subscriber. Blue banner at the top of the page. Click that, get info, get signed up. And of course, make sure you're subscribed here, wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us reviews, five-star reviews, say nice things about us uh, on Apple podcasts and make sure you subscribe there as well. Doug, I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Dan.